Hello, this is the Ukraine Crisis Podcast from International SOS. I'm Paul Osborne. Today, inside the 24-7 operation, gathering the latest information on and analysis of the crisis. We do have a 24-7 team of analysts who are focused on, you know, gathering these reports, analyzing them, corroborating them. We'll get the latest on the situation in Ukraine and look ahead to what might happen next. As the crisis continues and while attention is focused on the east of Ukraine, across the country the situation remains volatile, meaning it's vital clients get the latest up-to-date information. At the heart of that operation is Louise Hogan. She's security manager for Eastern Europe and Central Asia, and she's been leading the writing of situational updates on the crisis in Ukraine, pulling together all the latest information and analysis. When I spoke to her, she told me the nature of the crisis is changing. We are seeing that the conflict is essentially entering a second phase now with the primary battle beginning to focus on eastern Ukraine. And this is very much in line with Russia's stated aims that they want to refocus their military efforts on Donetsk and Luhansk provinces specifically. So Russian troops have now completely withdrawn from most of northern Ukraine, including Kiev province. So what does that mean in terms of the situation away from eastern Ukraine? Because some people might think that if Russia is focusing on the east and withdrawing its troops from areas of northern Ukraine, say, that that means the danger in the rest of the country will start to disappear. Yeah, so the situation outside of eastern Ukraine is still going to remain extremely volatile. You know, the risk of military strikes in other cities is still very heightened and that will persist. And then additionally, another point that people need to consider is that while Ukrainian forces have retaken much of the territory that was previously under the control of Russian troops, not all of that territory is yet secured. There's still unexploded ordnance, landmines and so on. So still quite a volatile situation in across the country as a whole. So as Russia begins its new offensive in eastern Ukraine, how do you see the coming days and weeks? Yeah, so we have seen that the next phase of the offensive in the east has begun in recent days with intense Russian artillery and airstrikes being conducted in several areas along the front line. We haven't yet seen a large-scale ground offensive commence in the east, and that's because the redeployment of troops and equipment will take some time as well as putting the necessary logistical supports in place. However, as the artillery and airstrikes continue, a ground offensive by Russian forces will then be launched in conjunction with this. And that could happen in the coming days or possibly weeks if the redeployment of troops continues to take some time. You mentioned how focusing on eastern Ukraine effectively chimes in with what we believe are Russia's aims for this conflict. What are those aims? Yeah, so Russia's stated aims as regards their planned offensive on the east is essentially they want to take control of the entirety of Donetsk and Luhansk provinces. Now, they will say that they are, you know, protecting the residents of those regions. However, it is too soon to say if they have completely abandoned their broader aims that were to take control of more of the country, um, including the capital, Kiev. Certainly for now, that's not feasible. But a lot of that will depend on how this offensive progresses and how the next stage of the conflict goes in terms of how Russia's military performs. A lot of the reporting has focused on the issues affecting Russia's military 
in Ukraine. Is the conflict itself, the nature of the conflict, likely to change as it moves into this new phase? It will. We are going to see a change in how the conflict plays out as it refocuses on the east of Ukraine. So the battle is now shifting to a more open terrain in Donetsk and Luhansk provinces. Previously, when we saw the conflict centered around Kiev province and, you know, other areas in northern Ukraine, that's very mountainous forested terrain. So it allowed for Ukrainian forces to focus on more hit and run style tactics. Whereas now we're moving to a much more open terrain. We're going to see an increased use of large displays of manpower, more mechanized vehicles and so on. So we'll likely see an increase in the use of heavier, more conventional weaponry being used in this conflict in the coming days and weeks. And that does imply perhaps a lengthy battle. I know a lot of military analysts in the West have talked about this could be something that you would measure in months, if not years. Absolutely. That could be the case. When Russia embarked on this military campaign, it's clear now that they expected it to be a lightning campaign. They expected to make gains very quickly and they expected to take Ukrainian cities rapidly. And that clearly has not been the case. And I think now that we all have a better idea of some of the limitations that the Russian military has in terms of its manpower, reportedly with its morale, and again with those issues to do with uh, communications and logistics. It's clear that this could be quite a long campaign going forward, certainly with no quick end in sight. And that presumably adds to the challenge of, of gathering reliable information about what's going on. It does. It does. You know, with such a complex situation and certainly a complex information environment, cooperation of information becomes even more important. Um, And it's really important to ensure that we're consulting a really broad and diverse set of primary source information. And that includes, you know, Ukrainian, Russian and international sources. And presumably that is a, that is just a round-the-clock operation that is happening all the time. Exactly. So we do have a 24-7 team of analysts who are focused on, you know, gathering these reports, analyzing them, corroborating them. We have security managers then, including myself, who guide and sort of lead the intelligence collection process. We also focus on devising assessments. Our senior leadership team then is very engaged with the process of analysis and assessments also given the gravity of this situation and, you know, the broad implications. And then also we have had teams deployed on the ground in Ukraine and also in neighboring countries since January. And they remain there actually at this time. And they provide us with really important on the ground context and also that verification process that we need at times. You talked there about the the verification process and, and the importance of corroborating the information that you're getting. We have seen in this crisis, as we have in others, a huge amount of misinformation and disinformation. How do you go about making sure that the information you're relying on is the right information? Mm, It can be challenging. And I think one of the key challenges is making sure that we are providing accurate information. So we are corroborating everything, but that we're also doing it in a timely manner so that we're providing it to clients so that they can actually act on it. And so for that reason, it's important that we have as wide a range of sources as possible. So we'll look at things like official statements, social media reports, local and international media, but we also use a lot of satellite imagery to corroborate and 
um, any sort of reports that we're seeing. And that on the ground presence really assists us with that in terms of making sure that reports we're seeing on the ground, are they actually accurate? And as the conflict does move into this new phase with all of the caveats that you've given us, presumably that need to gather information and to keep checking and rechecking it is something that's going to continue for quite a long time. It will. I think it's evolving along with the conflict. So in the early stages of the conflict, we would have seen a very acute need for actionable intelligence because obviously so many people were on the move. We had a large scale movement of people from eastern Ukraine, but other major cities, the capital Kiev also, attempting to move to western Ukraine and potentially then on to other countries. Whereas now the conflict has settled somewhat into a slightly more stable phase. So the need for information hour to hour is perhaps not as acute, but the need for verified information certainly remains and will will still be the case going forward. Louise Hogan, Security Manager for Eastern Europe and Central Asia at International SOS. Don't forget, clients can access the latest information and advice on the situation in Ukraine from a special microsite. You can find it by heading to site.internationalsos.com slash Ukraine crisis. And from our website, you can also find out how to get in touch with us via our global network of assistance centres available to clients 24-7. For now, though, thanks for listening, and until next time, goodbye.